0: Number one is to learn
1: the name of the new show. Fitz and Harry starts January 3rd. I think I've gotten it wrong every hour. I just uh, I just recorded a little thing for ESPN Radio, and I I managed to make it Harry and Fitz. I've made it Harry and Douglas a couple of times. <laughs> He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. Devin, producer extraordinaire. Uh, what are the chances I'm actually going to make it through the first show on January 3rd and actually get the name of the show right? Fitz, you've gotten it wrong so many times that in a promo promoting yeah. the show starting on yeah. January 3rd, Fitz and Harry... You messed it up then, too. Yeah. Fitz and Douglas is what So, I, I mean, mean, I I don't know. It might just become a recurring thing with you. Yeah. Well, you know what? The the chances of, of me actually getting it right seems slimmer and slimmer. But I do know that we will get it right with you every day. The thing that Harry and I want to bring to this show every single day is community, is energy, is entertainment. Um, it's important to us that we have a great time together. And, uh, you know, since a lot of people in this time slot haven't heard us work together before, Harry and I have been doing this in some capacity on the digital platforms uh, since, what, 2019. That's and, right. And um, our friendship and our our brotherhood and love for each other is what we hope comes through. And we hope we do that with you every step of the way. 888 espm 888 729 Uh, That that's how you can get in on the conversation, and we are going to do that every single day. Uh, You guys stack the lines. We'll get back to you in a second. Harry, we've had a little time, and and you and I didn't get to, because of some technical difficulties, we didn't get to start this show together.
2: Stop telling everybody our business, too. Well, I
1: mean, I like like to be real with people. You know. Okay, all right. (laughs) Can I tell tell America a story? Devin, I heard this earlier today. First time I'm working with Harry, We're, we're on a set, and we have an iPad, and the iPad locked. And the, the, the code for this super top secret iPad was 232323, Jordan's number, three times. So Harry just looks at me, and the iPad's locked this blank. And he looks at me and says, bro, like, I don't know what to do with this. First time we've worked together. And I looked at him, I'm like, yeah, it's 232323. That's how you unlock it. And he just hands me and says, "Bro, I don't do technology." So that, that that's just like the password was technology. Uh, that that that's that, So that,
2: you know, it's okay. It's okay. But I, I, but I will say this though, like, because <laughs> for countdown to college game day, you know, we have an iPad out there. I don't like all that stuff. Right. Right. Like, tell I memorize a lot in my brain. I don't like holding stuff on shows. I don't like that. I just like to go off the top of my dome, Fits. That's why we
1: work well together. I like having all that structure in front of me so I can make sure that, you know, I'm getting the bills paid for everything and you can just be free. <laughs> like, I'm out here trying to make sure I'm seeing the defense right and getting my ball to wide receiver one. Now, uh, Harry Douglas, you played the position at the highest possible level for a very long time. Yep. So you, you see this all go down. The illegal formation penalty that just has Washington Commanders fans going apoplectic today. Just to use a big word. Uh, you see it go down. What was your reaction from a wide receiver standpoint? You see the hand signaling. You see the guy lined up. What did you think?
2: Well, first of all, I didn't think it should have been, you know, a legal formation because he's communicating with the referee. As soon as a wide receiver comes out of the huddle, whether he's a single receiver by himself or he's on the side with a tight end, the tight end's off of the ball and he has to be on the ball no matter what, you're communicating with the receiver, telling him, hey, are you on the ball? And if you're over there with a tight end and the tight end's on the ball, you communicate with the referee and you tell him, hey, I'm off the ball, right? There's always communication and dialogue going between the two people. Now, when the ref told Terry McLaurin that to move up, when he, as soon as he moved up, it should have been good from that moment on. It shouldn't have been no flag being thrown. I just thought it was a Bush League move by the referee and the official at that time uh, because Terry McLaurin did have that communication with them and say, hey, I'm on the ball. Hey, once the referee tells you, hey, move up a little bit more and Terry McLaurin moved up on the ball, then everything should be set in stone. But that wasn't the case, and I just thought it was a Bush League movement official.
1: Yeah, I'm really curious to see, you know, I always hold this accountability thing to the NFL. Transparency. Like, that's all any of us want, or transparency in the wise in the house. If the NFL will come out at some point and tell us, yep, we, l- we listened to the tape, the ref said it, or the ref didn't say it, that's all I want. I-, I want some level of transparency. Speaking of transparency, we can never get it from coaches. This is what Ron Rivera said after the press, after the game. Of course, he's at the podium. He was asked about the officiating. His response, interesting. The call on Terry, Terry seemed pretty adamant he had pointed his hand out to the ref. What, what was the explanation? What
0: did you guys see on, on the film?
1: It looked like Terry pointed that's his hand out. That's exactly
0: to the- what I thought, too. Thank you.
1: And I got to ask about the Curtis one as well. Um, a, a, the fourth down. Okay. Uh, w- yeah, I mean, I, again, yeah.
0: in fact, don't ask me about the referee because I can't answer the question.
1: He can't answer the question, Harry, because
2: he doesn't want to pay money for it. Yeah, exactly. Like you and me were cheap, right? Uh, so, like, no, let me let me say this though first though, Fitz, like. Literally, when, when wide receivers come out of the huddle, and, and if you see Terry McLaurin give him a, the ref a thumbs up, that's basically telling him he's on the ball. Normally, if you're watching a football game, if a receiver is off the ball, you would see him uh, put his, his arm backwards like in, in with the fist made letting the referee know that he's off the ball that's the dialogue, that's the communication, those are the written rules between the wide receiver and the referee
1: and everybody should know that this comes because you have to have seven people on the line of scrimmage that's a, yep. a long standing rule so if your tackles are are lined up further back then you, you look and you'll see this uh, on Sundays when you watch favorite team if you got a couple of wide receivers you might see one take a step back or one take a step forward because they know that they need to be that seventh person on the line of scrimmage, this is a, a very clear rule in the NFL rule book what I want is a world where coaches uh, can say whatever they want about officials and not be fined that would give us the real truth that we're all looking for I mean I need to inject that in my veins like what's the only thing better than listening to everybody in a sports bar argue about it I want Ron Rivera to be able to come out and say dang those officials are a bunch of hacks like I want every ounce of that injected in my
2: veins Harry yeah, whatever happened to free speech, yeah. right? That's just America, right? Yeah. So let, let the coaches say how they really feel. No, I'm being honest though, Fitch, because I don't like the simple fact that they can't actually express how they really feel about a call because they're worried about getting fine money. I think that is wrong, uh, in regards, especially when you have an, an, an official that may get the call wrong. Yeah. They should be able to say what they want to say. As long as they say things, um, that's, that's not, you know, Derogatory or, you know, cursing or whatnot, then everything should be good to go.
1: Yeah. Uh, by the way, it's very expensive speech. You say anything about the refs, those fines uh, quickly add up. Uh, I want to get a call in on this. Jason in Fort Lauderdale uh, wants to chime in on the officiating in this game. Jason, thanks for calling us. What you got, man?
0: Hey, what's up, guys? Um,
1: what about that fourth down play at the end there with the pass interference? Oh, Did yeah. Did anybody miss the eye poke with Kayvon Cividu? I mean, that's that's illegal, hands hands to the face, right? Yeah, we actually mentioned that earlier. And there's Devin, our producer. Oh, is a huge Giants fan, so yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, certainly, and to that point, like that. And thanks for the call, Jason. Uh, you know, Harry, where do you, where do you end? this? Like, this is why the officiating thing. I I, I can't say this loud enough. And it, I, for anybody watching on the ESPN app, I'm sitting here in a Vegas Raiders hoodie. I've seen so many weird calls in my life. You are going in the course of a game. Your favorite team is going to get some calls they shouldn't, and they're going to get some calls that that like there are some moments that are going to be uh, go the wrong way. Like that's just the way it goes. Like there is going to be a game somewhere this season where your team is going to benefit from a weird roughing the passer co- uh, yep. call, and there's going to be a game somewhere this year where your team is detrimented by a weird passing the, the roughing the passer call. Like this is just the way the NFL goes now. So like that stuff. It regresses to the means, like freak hail mary endings and and freak plays in an NFL game. Officiating is the same way. Like I'm just, I'm not going to buy that the officials are responsible or not responsible for anything by the end of the year because I truly believe over the course of the season, missed calls average out.
2: And I'll also say on the last play of the game, you're very seldom going to see an an official call or throw a flag. Right on the very last play of the game. That's that's usually when they tend to let you know both teams play a lot more because you you know they don't want to be involved. They don't want to be the guy that you know threw that penalty on the last play of the game. I remember I going against your beloved Raiders, Fitz, when I was in Tennessee. The last play of the game, I got pi on a corner out. They didn't call it, so and nor did I ex- expected them to because it was it was the last play of the game and they didn't want the game to end with the flag and then you know we get another set of down. So I understand the officials on the last play of the game. What I don't understand, though, is the owner off the ball, especially if you're having that dialogue with Terry McLaurin. But I will also say this, Terry McLaurin, being a wide receiver, and I played wide receiver in this league, don't put the official in a situation to where he can make a questionable call like that. As soon as you go out there in the huddle, I I always used to say, hey, I'm on, I'm on, and I used to say it very aggressively so the official can hurry up and give me his input and what I needed to do. Hey, I'm on, am I good? Yes, you're good. Yeah, that, that, that's the end of it.
1: The, the number of times and I don't remember what coach said this, but years ago I remember a coach turning around saying like the missed kick never loses you the game It's one play and there are so many plays throughout the course of the game. No, no one play Loses a football game and like that's just I mean that that's that's real for all of this Ooh, I and, got
2: I got something for for some commanders fans if they want to hear it So I drop it to him right now. Fit? Yeah, drop it drop drop it preach so, take to church. I understand that a lot of people are upset in Washington about the calls, the non-calls or whatnot, but let me break something down to you guys. Let's not forget that your your quarterback, Taylor Heineke, had a strip fumble for a touchdown that the Giants scored off of. He had a third and four situation at the five-yard line going into score, which you're probably banking on at least getting three points right there, and he fumbles, and then the Giants go down and get three points off of that. You had the downs that ended the game that we've been talking about this entire time. On third down, the Washington Commanders were 1 for 10. That's 10%. In the red zone, they were 1 for 3. And let's talk about that defensive line that we've talked about so much this year they recorded zero sex against the New York Football Giants. So all of those things transpired as well before those last two plays in a football game that cost the Washington Commanders to lose a game yesterday in an important game that they needed when it came to the playoff race.
1: There are two things that I look at in every single game when I'm trying to figure out where it went wrong. Third downs, offensively and defensively. Did you stay on the field? Did you get off the field? Right? Yep. And then red zone efficiency. If you if you win in those two areas, if you are efficient in the red zone, you are efficient on third down and you get them off the field, you win football games. Like that that's it's such a simple view on it, and that's where teams get it wrong all the time. 888 say espn eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. That's how you guys can get in on the fun. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com.
0: Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network.
1: I don't know how I feel about the fact that we were doing a little promo piece. The team betrayed me, Harry. Like I make one little mistake. I mean, we all know that I'm really good at reading. So like I make one. Oh, my God. It's going to be brutal uh, Devin producer extraordinaire is that going to be run for the rest of time am I like in 15 years from now like we there's still no coming back from it Vince. there's no coming back I mean from listen it. if you keep talking about it it probably will no, that's probably <laughs>
2: fair because we know this is good content
1: now no, thank that you is, Fitz that is, that is fair keep messing up the name of the show uh, Well, actually don't do that That's no. bad the funny
2: advice. part though is me like laughing in the background though <laughs>
1: <laughs> look I, it's part. never without your name that's the thing like I've made it Fitz and Douglas I've made it Harry and Douglas apparently a few times like I, I don't even know like I'm trying to push myself like by the end of it's going to be the Harry Douglas show featuring some guy, and that's what we're going for uh we're going to have a little fun uh Harry and I together today tomorrow. We start January third with you every single day, getting ready, but uh we're going to try some things out that we want to bring to the show in January, one of those is a little bit of panic and patience. So uh, Devin's going to throw out a team for us, and then, Harry, we will debate whether the fans should be absolutely you know, losing their minds or if everybody should just maybe sit back, put your feet up, and uh, and not worry about it. You ready for this? Yep. All right, Devin, what do we got first? All right, first up, fits the Dallas Cowboys. So much patience. So much patience. Like, yeah, they lost to the, the Jags. I get they lost to the Jags. I understand it, that that's a bad loss. But right now, like all you need to do is step back and say, hi, our legacy is still there to be made. The, the, the Cowboys are going to be defined by what they do in January, starting with taking on a bad NFC South champion, a game I think they can win. And then what can they do? Like, if I'm the Cowboys, I absolutely mail in my matchup against the Eagles. I don't even know if I play anybody against the Eagles. I don't want to show the Eagles anything. I don't have to show the Eagles. I don't want any sort of moment here. Like, if I'm the, the Cowboys, my destiny is going to be defined by January. So let's have a little patience, and then we can panic then. Harry, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I agree with you on the patience then, in and- I don't think your Eagles take is a bad one either because there's a you could potentially face them again, uh turn the right around in the playoffs and if you do have some things that you wanna do, you don't wanna like, you know, let them see it if you wanna do things differently from the first matchup and Dak Prescott would be out there, it would not be Cooper Rush. So I'm not panicking uh when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys. Now the the thing I will say in the dark cloud I'm a hold over their head is that when crunch time comes in certain moments I need their star players to be stars. I don't need them folding. I don't need them making mistakes. I need them to make the plays that they're supposed to make to propel the Dallas Cowboys to move ahead. If they can't do that, then I'm on here talking about them. Uh, Our show starts January 3rd, and we're going to have a lot of fun talking about them too as well, Fitz.
1: Louie in Saratoga Springs wants to chime in. Triple H, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Louie, thanks for calling the show. What you got, man?
3: Okay, how you doing, guys? I love your show. Thank you. Thank you, my man. Okay, now, I've been a Cowboy fan since 1975, okay? And the reason, and you talk about patience, I have seven years of patience. As long as Prescott is the quarterback, they will never, ever win a Super Bowl because he doesn't have that it. The killer instant. Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow from Cincinnati, he has that itch. Down 17 and he comes back. He takes his team on his back and let's go. That's how Tom Brady had seven uh, Super Bowls because he has that itch. The second worst mistake that Jerry Jones did was give that man all that money. He does not deserve that, that money.
2: So, so I got to ask you this, Louise. Louis, still there?
3: Yeah, we still got Louis.
2: Louis, yeah, I mean, yeah. would, would you, would you yes, rather sir. the Dallas Cowboys play Cooper Rush and sit Dak Prescott down on the bench? No.
3: I'd rather <laughs> Jerry Jones try to trade Prescott, give Ooh. him away to somebody, and get another quarterback. Because Cooper Rush can't throw more than 10 yards. We all know that. All right, Louis, thanks for the call, man. Here's my problem with all that, though.
1: Like, you're presuming that that quarterback with it is out there. Like, yeah, sure. They Joe, don't grow Joe, on trees. Yeah, like, they don't Joe, grow Joe Burrow's got it. Cool. You got the first overall pick in the draft because guys like that go first overall. So... You know, uh, yeah, yeah. You could make the argument Patrick Mahomes has it. Yeah, sure. That that. But again, if anybody had known Patrick Mahomes had it, then he wouldn't have made it as far down in the draft as he did. Like it, this concept you have a much bigger chance most years of drafting a bad quarterback than you do a good one. So the question isn't Dak Prescott versus a guy with it because let's face it. The, the they're not going to have a top five draft pick this year. So your best case scenario for the Cowboys, even if they trade Dak, so many teams could move up, is that you'd be taking like the fourth or fifth best quarterback out of college this year? You think that guy's got it, Harry?
2: It depends. It depends if they can find some intangibles because I will say Patrick Mahomes, he played at Texas Tech. Texas Tech, Texas Tech wasn't good. But the Kansas City Chiefs seen that it factor in Patrick Mahomes. It's all about can, you know, can your scouting department, can those guys find someone, um, not necessarily in the first round, but in the second, third, or fourth that has that it factor. Now, you do have guys who aren't high draft picks or projected to be high, high draft pick that just has that persona to themselves, right? It's just walk around with that moxie and you can just tell, hey, he's that dude. It's just all about whether they land and, can you get certain things out of them? Can you get them to play yeah. into your system that but you want you, them to play in as well?
1: You got a better chance of drafting Zach Wilson than you do a Patrick Mahomes. And so this concept that yeah. I'm just going to go back True to the story. draft and get yep. and get the next Patrick Mahomes or the next Joe Burrow that just doesn't exist. Right, it let's Don't get, happen like that. Yeah. Don't no, I mean, the well. same debate I have constantly with Raiders fans. Like, I get I get the way everybody feels about Derek Carr. I understand this a hundred percent. But you, we keep making it Derek Carr versus Joe Burrow. Like, it's not that. It's Derek Carr versus Will Levis, and none of us know with. Will Levis. Will Levis has a better chance of entering and Will Levis won't even be available past fifth pick in this year's draft. So, you know, uh, Anthony Richardson versus I mean, uh, come on. All right, let's get Devin, let's go back to pa- uh, Patience Panic Patience whatever. Use panic words. or Patience? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> words. All right, so this team came back uh the largest comeback in NFL history. The Minnesota Vikings fits Panic or Patience? I am in full panic mode for the Vikings. Um, I, I picked the Vikings to win the division coming into this year. I feel really good about that. I said, I said the Packers were going to stink. I feel really good about that. I actually kind of nailed my preseason predictions other than one. So, like, I feel really good about that. I don't trust the Vikings ever. I don't, I just – they can score a bunch of puns, points or they can be totally invisible. I'm I'm panicking at this point because being able to do what they did to the Colts isn't a reason to write – like, why were you down 33 to the, to the Colts? They're not good, Harry.
2: Yeah, that's my thing. I'm in panic mode when it comes to them as well. And I've also been on the record to say that I think they're going to be one and done when it comes to playoffs. When your defense is allowing as many points and yards a game that they are allowing and not a good unit, even though they have players here and there on that unit, because I love Zedarius Smith, I love Patrick Peterson, I love Harrison Smith, I like those guys in the way they play. Uh Daniil Hunter. But for some reason – it hasn't always clicked defensively for this team. And one thing i got to give them credit for, though, in one-score games this year, they're 10-0. That was an issue that they had last year, and they lost a lot of those games and, frankly, could have made the playoffs last year if they won a few of those uh, matchups that was one-score games. But at the end of the day, I don't understand why you're down. Well, I do understand because I actually watched the game, but a lot of mishaps that led to them to be down 33 to nothing. So I, I'm not really more impressed with the comeback I'm more disappointed that they went down thirty-three to nothing in the first place.
1: Yeah, you and me both. Let's get one more in real quick, Dev. What you got next for Panic or Patience?
2: All right, HD, the mm. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, panic or Patience? Oh my goodness, this is full panic mode. Full panic mode because their loss against the Cincinnati Bengals, after being up seventeen nothing, seventeen three at halftime, uh, was a disappointment. They had an opportunity to go up, I think, two games in that division. Now, with their loss, it's not a guarantee that they're actually going to win their division. It could still be the Carolina Panthers. It could still be the New Orleans Saints. It could still be the Atlanta Falcons. And the way they're playing and the way the second half went for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady botching a handoff. We got to coach a damn handoff. I talked earlier, Fitz, about lining up, owning off the ball. I got to coach Tom Brady to hand the damn ball off correctly to Leonard Fournette. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Are you kidding me? But turning the football over, over and over again in the second half. You go back to punt the ball, and the long snapper snaps it to Giovanni Bernard, and then, you know, he doesn't really want to do the media afterwards. But, young man, you have to do the media afterwards, even though he stayed there and he did it because it was a botched play. That play led to the comeback. Of the Cincinnati Bengals. And I can only imagine what their special teams coach, Keith Armstrong, was saying in their meetings today. You want to know why? Because, see, I played for Keith Armstrong for seven years. And Keith Armstrong has cussed me out plenty of times. And I know the way he does it. And I've seen his facial expression on TV last night. And I said, ooh, Giovanni Bernard, go get it tomorrow. He going to get it. He going to be on that boy like white on rice. He going to get it. Total, total, total
1: panic for the Bucks. I mean, I, I guess panic is the right word because they went all in and they stink. That's all I have to say about it. All right, <laughs> he's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. How we feel about it when it comes to the Cowboys as we near the playoffs? We'll tell you next. Plus, you guys can keep chiming in. Triple Eight Say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Spartan Han, Sneak peek of Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
3: Bart and Han. Shotgun for Prescott. Fires middle of the field. It is picked up by Sean Jacket.
0: Guy makes a great catch right there above the ground and ends the game. You, you just feel the game the way it was going.
3: How good is that? <laughs> Didn't I tell you?
1: Where's the line fall between a magnificent interception... And a turnover problem, especially when you're talking about one of the bigger names... In the NFL, Barton Hahn on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Jason Fitz, sitting with Harry Douglas. A sneak peek, a soft opening, if you will, for Fitz and Harry that starts January 3rd on these same ESPN radio stations. You can also watch us in the ESPN app. Uh, we'll be everywhere with you starting weekdays, January 3rd from noon to 3 p.m. Eastern. We hope you'll consider hanging out with us. Say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Uh, when you start thinking about what we saw from Dak, the real question, because you and I think both, Harry, have squarely agreed that this loss does not go just on the shoulders of Dak, but there is a turnover problem. And when you start talking about the Cowboys are 4 0 this season when Dak throws for 0 or 1 picks, 2 and 2 when he throws 2 or more, and he's throwing a lot of picks. Like, I, I don't know how you fix that for somebody that's never had this problem before. Like, interceptions have never been a part of the narrative of Dak
2: Prescott. And this year it is. Yeah, I would say this. And and one of the main things that a head coach gets up in a a meeting room the week of whoever you're playing as your opponent, the first thing is you you go through must, right? We used to have offensive must, defensive must, special teams must. And usually the first offensive must is take care of the football. Don't turn the football over. And that's been one of the things that Dak, Dak Prescott has done, uh, awful a lot. Um, since he came back and started playing, 14 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. Now, I will say this. all those interceptions Dak, Dak Prescott's fault? No. You had some tip balls. You had some drop balls that become interceptions. But at the end of the day, I think Dak Prescott is the leader of the offense, He's the guy that touches the football every single play and you can't have the quarterback of your team turning the football over at a very, very high rate because of situations like uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like the first interception that he threw, sailed the ball over the tight end's head, very inexcusable. You know what I mean? Sometimes I understand you're trying to make a play, but usually when you're throwing the football like that on the run, you want to kind of have the football low so you don't miss over the top. Or uh if you throw throw the ball downwards towards the ground, it's not going to get tipped up and picked off. Now a second interception, that's not on deck Prescott. That's on Noah Brown. I don't think he could have threw a, a threw a better ball for him, and I believe it would have been a first down as well if he would have caught it. The ball hit him in his chest, my man. Like this is the National Football League. A wide receiver, the ball hit him in his chest. Your job is to catch the ball. But I also have an issue with Kellen Moore. If you're calling that play and you have two crossers, right? You had one tight end coming to pick for Noah Brown coming underneath on a on a lower shallow. You had a high shallow and a lower shallow, and you also had C.D. Lamb trying to pick as well. I know the play very well because I ran that play millions of times in the National Football League. But here's the thing. Why not put C.D. Lamb where Noah Brown is? Why not have Noah Brown be the second picker for C.D. Lamb? Why C.D. Lamb? Why are other people picking for Noah Brown? It's, 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 It's understanding KYP. Know your personnel. In that juncture of the ball game, I'm trying to go to CD Lamb, and I don't give a damn if everybody know I'm trying to go to CD Lamb. That, that's But a, he's my guy, and I got to go to him.
1: That's the thing for me, Harry, that like really like for me it's risk reward and everything, right? And so you got to be able to stand up. One of the hardest parts about the NFL, I think, is you got to be able to stand up and defend every play. You got to be able to stand up and defend every decision you make in the game, from a player's standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, every single inch of grass. At some point, you have to stand in front of a microphone and explain to the world why you did what you did. If you are forcing the ball into your star-wide receiver from your star quarterback and it goes awry... Most people are going to look at you and say, well, you know, maybe maybe we don't want to force that as much, but, you know, we, we've got a superstar wide receiver. If you're turning around saying, well, what we really like is our second, third, or fourth option instead because we like that matchup, anybody buy. And that, like, there's a reason the best players get paid the most money. Like, in those situations, when you were the Cowboys, you have been built on one thing you've been built on star power. Like, yep. they, they build a roster based on having, like, it's a steakhouse where they're going to make sure that every single kind of meat is absolutely perfect and the sides are going to be what they're. Going to be
2: like nobody's going there. Go ahead. I'm not going to let Kellen Kellen more off the hook as well because when they got the ball back with a minute and 28 seconds left in the ball game, that's four minute offense. You need to call plays, and I understand, I get it. You need to run the football twice to try to make them use their timeouts. I understand that part of it, but on third and 10, you throw a go route. And if I'm not mistaken, did they try to throw that goal route to Noah Brown as well? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's my point. You get where I'm going with this? Yes. You have C.D. Lamb on your team, and you go to Noah Brown on a goal route on third and 10. Then you go to Noah Brown in overtime, and he drops it, and it gets picked off for a touchdown and a walk-off touchdown. Make it make sense to me, because if I'm Kellen Moore, if I'm the offensive coordinator, I'm getting the guys, my playmakers that I know need the football, the football.
1: Yeah, it seems like such a simple concept here. And you mentioned Kellen Moore, but it's gonna be Kellen Moore, it's gonna be Mike McCarthy, it's gonna be everybody that will have to defend every ounce of the decisions that they have made uh, at some point through the, the the process of this. Like that's that's what's on the line for the Cowboys. He's Harry Douglas, I'm Jason Fitz. We're hanging out with you on Barton Hahn on ESPN radio, triple eight say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine. 3776. We love you guys being part of the conversation. John in North Carolina wants to chime in on the McLaren uh, illegal procedure call. John, thanks for calling the show, man. What you got?
3: Hey, guys. Like the show, man. Uh, first time caller. Thanks, man. I just wanted to bring up that McLaren should not have been in the situation he was in if Dotson would have put a hat on the head on that second down and blocked Thibodeau, the so Heineke could have got in the end zone. He avoided him. Yeah. He didn't want. I, I mean, I wouldn't want to hit the guy either. And I think Dotson's a great, great player. But man, he had, he wanted no part of Thibodeau on that play.
1: Yeah, John. That uh, I Thanks for the call, man. I will say this: Jahan Dotson, by the way, one of I forgot my favorite, about that play. Like Dotson was one of my favorite guys at Penn State. Uh, reading uh, highlights on and talking about on the college football shows that Harry and I both worked on on the digital side. And Dotson has like the invisible staircase, his ability to go up and get the ball. One thing that I think gets a little lost on Dotson sometimes is he's a wee little man. Like he's he's not, <laughs> he, Jahan Dotson not big at all, right? So he's not here, an excuse
2: to so fits. No, no, no. I, but and, like, and,
1: and, and here, here's why I tell you because you're like five foot three. No, no, no. And, uh, oh, there, there okay.
2: were multiple times where <laughs> I'm blocking defense and in, defense and ends. So you know, Roddy, Tony Gonzalez, and Julio Jones, those guys can uh, run routes. And did I complain about it? Hell no. I I vividly remember against the Carolina Panthers, we were backed up in our own end zone, and we needed to play. And I knew I had to seal that edge, and me and t- Tony Gonzalez both had to block a defense in. We're supposed to double-team him. Did Tony touch him? Hell no. So I had him one-on-one by myself, and I blocked him so Matt Ryan could throw a bomb to Roddy White so we can go down and kick the game with a field goal. Sometimes you just got to suck it up and do your damn job. It's not all about catching passes all the time. Sometimes you got to get grimy and do the dirty work. That's the problem with these receivers that's coming to the league now. Everybody want to be pretty. Nobody wants to do the dirty work. You got to be a complete receiver. If you got to block, do your assignment. Block who you got to block. Whether it's in the run game, whether it's in protection, do what you got to do. Because guess what? A playoff spot was on the line. And that's one of the things that the young buck is going to learn. When a playoff spot is on the line, you do everything that you got to do to make the play and help your team win.
1: And I don't disagree. I think he's going to get better at that. Also, not something he really had to face as much at Penn State. I will say, according to the Google machine, which you know overstates some of these things, Johan Dotson's listed at 5'11". That seems generous at 5'11". And 188 pounds also seems generous. Like,
2: he's a phenomenal player, though. If, no, I gotta no, say that. No doubt. Like He's gonna have a but, hell but of a wait. career. 5'11",
1: 188. Kayvon Thibodeau listed... At 6'5", 258. he could try and get a hat on that all day long. Also, Thibodeau made a hell of a play getting on the outside with that. Like you showed, Thibodeau showed the range of speed, and and I, I think that's one of those moments where Kayvon particularly, we went into the college football season saying that Kayvon was absolutely going to be the number one pick in the draft that year. And because of some effort questions, as they like to say, he slipped a little in the draft. The Giants got them a steal. He's going to be a Listen, dominant player. He in this played
2: league. like it last night. The man mm-hmm. had twelve tackles, one sack, three. Tackles for loss and recovered, caused a fumble and c- recovered it in the end zone for a touchdown. He was one of the main reasons why the New York Football Giants had an opportunity and won that football game last night.
1: Yeah, there is no doubt about it. All right, we're going to keep your calls coming. Triple eight, say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six plus. We got Rams and Packers tonight. We'll tell you two people who need to be on the hot seat going into this game. Barton Hunt on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Harry Douglas and Jason Fitz.
0: playmaking splash shifted the tempo another great cocktail from the hypnotic team every season is hypnotic and tequila season hypnotic liqueur bardstown kentucky 17 percent alcohol by volume hypnotic reminds you to think wisely
3: drink wisely it's only a kick a jump a block it's only a serve it's only a tackle a run it's only for the fans after all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Bart and Han.
1: In all the chaos that we got over the course of the weekend, it's easy to forget that it's Monday night. That means that there's Monday night football tonight, and that means that there's some serious names it could be on the hot seat. It's Barton Hahn on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. Fitz and Harry starts January 3rd right here. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Fitz and Harry will be coming at you starting January 3rd from noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. You can watch us in uh, the ESPN app as well, so you can hang out with us a million different ways. Say ESPN, 888-729-3776, but we got to get a little bit of Monday Night Football preview here brought to you by Progressive Insurance. And Harry, I mean, we got a game tonight that was supposed to be great between the Rams and the Packers, eight fifteen p.m. Eastern on ESPN and ABC. Uh, obviously, the season has been less than expected for both of these teams. But I'm sitting here looking at it from the Packers' standpoint, saying, "All right, when is the point where Matt Lafleur and Brian Gutekunst should be on the hot seat?" Like Lafleur, I know, has won a bunch of games, and I can hear Matt, N- Mike Tannenbaum in my mind saying, "What are you talking about? Look at all the wins." You won a bunch of games with a two-time MVP quarterback. All you had to do was not screw that up. Now, Roger's not maybe not having that year. Oh, there's not the weapons around. It looks like maybe the, there's a, a lack of di- direction in what they're trying to accomplish. Goodikens put this roster together that's flat out not good enough. Like I'm looking at a wasted year for the Packers and saying that the people that wasted a draft pick on Jordan Love, who's never going to play for them, maybe should be held accountable for all of what's happening right
2: now. And I will also add to it, when you look at you know, a guy like Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. He is a big part of the reason why, you know, the Green Bay Packers went 13 and 3, 13 and 3, 13 and 4 or 14, I can't remember, 17 games. We'll go 14-3. We'll go 14-3, thir- three, three. I think. There we go, whatever. Yeah. But at the same time, you got to remember they had Devontae Adams too. So you had another superstar play in the National Football League. So when you have a back-to-back MVP, you have a guy like Devontae Adams, it kind of minimizes a lot of things that you have to do as an offensive play caller, or as an offensive mind because you have two guys that you can resort to and just say, you know what? Go do what y'all do. Play backyard football. Y'all make it happen. When all things fail, all things go wrong. When things aren't right, you can rely on a Aaron Rodgers, a Devontae Adams. Now Devontae Adams, he departed and he went to the Las Vegas Raiders. Now you have to, you got to develop a lot of young guys now, right? And then now Aaron Rodgers, you got to deal with him more so um, than you can just say, "Hey, go throw the ball to Devontae Adams. Let him make, allow him to make it right." So now you have to really dig into your bag. How do I scheme things up? How do I get these guys open? How do I, you know, have a disgruntled quarterback? And how do I still keep positivity and was steal it within my young receivers? Right? The offensive line isn't healthy. The best players on that offense this year – coming into the season was going to be Aaron Jones because we knew they had to run the football effectively, right? And you also had an A.J. Dillon. They didn't do a great job of diversifying the football in that manner and running the football and leaning on the run game. And then you look on the opposite side of the ball. You look at the defense and how disappointing they have been. They can't afford to lose a football game in December in Green Bay, Wisconsin, to Baker Mayfield, who's on his third team and try to revitalize his career, they tried, literally, CPR. <gasps> Push. <sighs> <I'm blowing. laughs> they're trying to give them We're CPR. CPR or Lamaze? I don't know. Uh, I, like, I don't felt know. Like, of them. I tried, I'm certified, though. Just know I'm certified. I just may have forgot a little bit. But you can't afford to lose a game to Baker Mayfield in a depleted loss Angeles Rams football team who hasn't been good all year, who doesn't have a Cooper Cup, who doesn't have a Matthew Stafford, who doesn't have an Allen Robinson. Aaron Donald didn't play the last game. There's so many missing pieces on this team right now. If you lose this ballgame, if you're a Green Bay Packers, people's jobs need to be in question. Now, I'm not calling for anybody to get fired, but the questions need to be raised because if the Rams can come from L.A., and we know people – they don't pay for, you know, the the housing and all that in L.A. They pay for the weather, Fitz. Mm-hmm. They pay for the weather year round. If the team from L.A., where people pay for the weather year round, come to Green Bay, Wisconsin, and I don't know the temperature, but I'm going to give you all a, a a little sample. I played in Green Bay, Wisconsin twice in December. Oh my God. With the, with the wind chill, it was negative eight. One time it was negative 12. Oh. So you get my drift.
1: And, and HD, by the way, is the guy that shows up to countdown to game day with heated gloves on and like a heated jacket, <laughs> like heated underwear. I'm pretty sure everything's heated. Like, I don't even know how you did that, dude.
2: Yeah, and I wore no sleeves, though. I wore no, no sleeves out there when I played. That so makes no sense. If you let a Baker Maysfield team that's depleted uh, with the uh, the Los Angeles Rams, that is, beat you in Green Bay with. Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, some questions need to be had. Think about more, this. More so than they have been all season long.
1: Think about this. After this game, the Packers go to Miami on Christmas Day. I believe Vegas will have them as a favorite. Then they get, uh, they get the Vikings after that. We'll see where things are with the Vikings. And they finish with the Lions, a team that uh, has already beaten the Packers. There is a very, they got four games left. Mm-hmm. There's a good chance that they could lose all four of them. And if we're sitting here talking about a 12-loss Aaron Rodgers team – you mm-hmm. cannot tell me that there will not be consequences for that. Don't forget you can save on commercial auto insurance from Progressive. Get a fast quote at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Also, don't forget Harry and I will be back with you tomorrow. But also, starting January 3rd, we are here every single day from noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. We'll be hanging out with you all over the place. Sirius XM channel, ladies, starting in January. We hope you'll hang out with us. This has been Barton Hahn on ESPN Radio. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. Don't go anywhere. Kenny and Carlin. Aaron Rodgers joining them for an hour you don't want to miss it
0: thanks for listening to the barton hahn podcast you can listen to the guys live weekdays at noon eastern on espn radio plus you can listen and watch the guys on the espn app this is the barton hahn podcast